1: Hello everyone, welcome to Friday's edition of The Call. One hour, 10 stocks that you suggest put to two of our experts. It's great to have your company. Also welcome to our viewers through Facebook Live and also Twitter Live as well. We do this every weekday between midday and 1pm. For anyone who's interested in the share market, we go through all the stocks that everyone's talking about and uh, give you some really expert analysis. And speaking of experts, big welcome to Junbei Lu from Tribeca Capital. Junbei, good to see you on great this Friday edition here. of The Call.
0: Thank you very much, it's but, great to be here. Uh,
1: been a fascinating week, hasn't it? With oh. all sorts of things happening overseas. It's
0: been a very exciting week um, <laughs> and certainly has claimed a few casualties overseas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly explain for viewers who are going, What's all this been happening over there, just in a nutshell? What happened? Ooh, nutshell. Let us let me try. <laughs>
0: Look, so what happened is in US, there are a lot of hedge funds. So what they do is that they, they short they short the companies that they think the share price will go down. And then they use that money by shorting those companies to buy the winners, the company yep. they think they're going to go up. And this hedge funds done very well. And the companies that has performed very, very poorly, um, you know, share price hasn't been going anywhere. So um, in the last couple of weeks, you've seen a lot of retail investors overseas in US has been buying those uh Uh, options or uh, betting on the share price going higher and because those stocks um, share prices gone up so quickly um, the hedge fund um, are forced to actually Buy them back at and a much a much loss. higher. That's right, much higher price. Yeah. Because as the theoretically, if you short a company, your loss is unlimited. Yeah. Because yeah. if it goes keeps going high, you need to buy higher and higher price. And at the same time, then they have to fund it by selling the winners. Yeah. So we're seeing this huge rotation because they need to cut their loss. It's
1: a, it's sort of been the revenge of the retail investor, <laughs> has now all of these hedge funds that go right we're going to bet against a company Mm. and uh hopefully its share price keeps going down and uh the retail investors who have all gone through these apps Mm. and there's sort of been a concerted campaign is saying right we're going to show you what's interesting
0: but what's interesting is that that battle is k- keep going on because some hedge fund, while well, they struggled, but there are other larger ones now putting more capital betting against wow. it. So remember the share price, when share price rally like that is artificial demand. So there's yeah. no one there to really, uh, really buying the company. Company hasn't right. changed. So be very careful playing that game. Oh, yeah. But it certainly is game on.
1: And uh, don't get involved. I <laughs> reckon right. if you're a normal investor like the rest of us, you're well clear of that sort of stuff. Our other expert joining us today, Howard Coleman from Team Invest and uh, Howard, you must be pretty amused at what's going on um, with this battle between hedge funds and retail investors in the, in the US.
2: Yes. And as uh, Jim Bay says, it's, it's a case of betting. So you've got the gamblers who are the hedge funds shorting stocks. And now gamblers who are retail gamblers ganging up together, you can't call them retail investors because they're not really investing, they're gambling. Um, And large number of them ganging up together uh, to beat the hedge funds. And uh, all very amusing and great fun. The the good thing I think long term that's going to come out of it, other than a fair bit of amusement for us, is uh, the fact that a lot of people are now uh, trading shares pretty much betting and gambling but at least it's a better way of gambling than going to a casino because if you're betting on companies in the long term good companies go up in value whereas when you go down to a casino or use a betting app the odds are weighted against you so although the odds here aren't weighted hugely in the favor of the uh bettors who buying at least the the odds are better than any other kind of betting. it would be better if they chose a a stock that was growing its earnings rather than than stocks that aren't growing their earnings, uh, like GameStock, which is going backwards in terms of a business. But uh, in the long term, a lot more people are going to learn about the stock market and some small proportion of these hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are doing all this betting, um, some of them will become serious investors over time and they'll be educated in the process. So I think in the long term...
1: it's a really good point. And jumbo it's all been brought about by trading on apps. Exactly, isn't it? it's, the convenience of it's doing so. It's sort of so. like gamifying, share <laughs> investing, sort of you've got a whole generation that are switching from their Bet360 app To their Robin Hood app or superhero or whatever.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's certainly been made very, very easy. And then Australia is rising as well, like the US market. And, um, you know, I think what's the opportunity coming out of this is that because hedge fund has to sell the high quality winners, um, you know, we saw a lot of stock just being completely sold off because they needed money um, urgently. So, um, you know, so many stocks we see in two days, there's literally a turnover of, um, you know, 14% share price differential um you know use domain yesterday was down eight percent today's up eight percent because people needed money urgently so as an investor long-term investor these are opportunity of you picking up some stock
1: to buy that's fascinating yeah all right Uh, well that's what the call's all about Uh, following the markets and trying to pick some of those stocks who are winners and losers before we get into your 10 stocks that you've suggested that i put to our expert panel i thought we'd take a look at stock of the day it's one that i choose and uh, So we take a look at Woodside inking a deal with the WA government to provide 45.6 petajoules of domestic gas from the Northwest Shelf from 2025. Uh, Chief Executive of Woodside Peter Coleman saying, connecting the Pluto and Northwest Shelf facilities accelerates the production of the offshore Pluto gas and provides flexible access to emerging LNG processing capacity. Energy stocks are real focus on the market um, Howard, what do you think of this deal? And what are the implications for Woodside as a stock?
2: Look, I think uh, it's a positive uh, uh, move for Woodside because it's given them a guarantee of a customer who's going to be buying a lot of gas from them over time, which makes the um, uh, w- wells and the production more valuable to them. However, Woodside as a company is not a company that particularly excites us as long term investors. I mean if we just look at the history I remember owning this company about 15 years ago when the share price was over $40 it's now $25 so it's gone backwards over time it's been a a slow burn capital killer Um, and the reason for that is fairly simple Uh, its return on equity is quite low it's a hugely capital intensive industry you're talking about many billions of dollars every time you do a big development and you are hoping that over the next 20 years, while the gas come, or oil comes out of that development over time, that you're going to make back the money and that the commodity price will be favourable to you over time. So, you know, that's a, a, an extraordinarily difficult business to run. You've got to plan so far ahead on a price that you have no control over. So mm-hmm. from a team mm-hmm. invest perspective, um, Woodside's not a company that any of us are enthusiastic about. I sold out about. 15 years ago and i don't really think any team invest members own it it certainly doesn't pass our filters return on equity is much too low and earnings per share haven't been going uh, forward in the right direction for us okay uh jumbo
0: yeah look i uh, certainly energy companies are not high quality businesses um they you know very much earnings dependent upon how much they spend what resource they have and what the ultimate energy prices um, is um, and uh, over the long term period um, structurally energy prices will be under threat the fossil fuel and the like because of the electric vehicles and all these yeah. other newer energy um, uh, source um, however for the time being um, you know because energy businesses have underperformed so much in the last 12 18 months you know last year we have energy price ratio when negative the future energy future when negative for yeah. you know for the first time in history yeah. it was incredible so um, you know on on these bases, those energy business potentially could do a little bit better this year just because the global growth coming back a little bit um, and there hasn't been enough supply coming online. So we like the energy sector at this point, um, but Woodside is not the one I would allocate my money to. Oh. Perpetual Disappointer. Um, and it's not going to give you that, delir- um, you know, uh, uh, the leverage to the higher prices, I'd much rather to be sitting the likes of Santos um, and the others to give you a bit more leverage. What but
1: Santos then- and Beach those or sort of yeah, oil right. search
0: and the like. But Santos probably my preferred pick. Right. Um, but just to be very mindful that these businesses are not buying whole businesses. Um, you you buy them and you know go through that oil price uh, upgrade cycle because very soon these business yeah. earnings will be upgraded. So when the earnings are upgraded, share price is going higher. So yeah. be mindful of that. However, um, knowing when
1: to sell is very important for those businesses, right. not a bottom draw business. Okay. All right. Thank you uh, for that. Let's go into uh, the stocks that you've suggested we take a look at today. First one up, uh, Tony Jumbe wants a view on Reliance Worldwide. Um, basically a big plumbing and heating business, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> That's right. Um, and um, has had, uh, what, 13% increase in sales for the six months to the end of December. So it's COVID's been a challenge, but it's kept Manufacturing and, and getting those sales.
0: That's right. So they've done well. Obviously, it's it's actually one of those Australian success story that we all love. Uh, they, their product is mainly that Sharkbite um, product, where you click and connect your right. um, plumb, uh, pipes. Um, you know when it breaks. Um, right. So what, for
1: hoses and things like that no, as well. No, so, uh,
0: not so much. It's actually the when when the pipe uh, the water pipe the right. copper water pipe breaks, plumber will come in and cut it and then weld it. Normally, it's not very stable because the, whenever you cut it. Um, right. Next time it breaks, it's likely yeah. to be there. So push and connect is a little thing that you just push it, click yeah. it straight in. And it works in Australia. It took Australia by a storm. Like, you know, literally it gained 100% market share within a few years. Right. Um, because Australia have very standardized pipe size. Right. So you right. just click it in, done. And it takes literally a few minutes yeah. um, rather than, you know, 40 minutes for the um, plumber to get it done. Yep. Yeah, so, and then they went into the US a few years ago and they, again, they took the US by storm. So it's done very well, mm. uh, but then the sales slowed down because that market is slightly different compared to Australia and the like. So they struggle for growth for quite a bit. Yep. Um, now that they, during COVID period US, um, the renovation activity picked up significantly, a bit like Australia, um, just simply people are staying at home and, you know, sort of spending on their houses. Yep. So they benefit from that. Um, great company my view is that it has rallied pretty hard um, and the next half um, they're going to face some uh, pretty tight ty- uh, pretty steep uh, copper price increases because um, that's the key input into right. their business and they yeah. can't increase their price that significantly uh, because it's a very low-value product right. um, and uh, they're going to face some FX headwind majority of the earning come from um, Pounder and in, in the US as well and US yes. so um, I think the earning next half is going to be, be a little bit tough and they're heading to next year it's going to look pretty tough it's a neutral for me I'll be taking some profits
1: today
2: okay all right Howard yeah um, very interesting company and as uh, Jimbo says it's an Australian success story and why it's developed in Australia is we have such high wages for tradies so if a tradie can uh, be able to do something that they can cut down from taking an an hour perhaps to uh, cut and weld a pipe down to a couple of minutes with click and connect um, that's a wonderful advantage it's not as big an advantage in the US where tradies don't get paid anywhere near as much as they get paid here and even less so if they ever go into say the UK where tradies get paid even less so in the end it's really the kind of product that's been developed because we are a high-wage economy now there are many advantages in being a high-wage economy and one of them is we develop um time-saving devices like this but i don't think they're going to find growing in the u.s as easy as they found it here it's not going to be as attractive to the tradies as it is here it'll be attractive but not as much and um as Jinbei says it's difficult for them to easily raise prices it's a relatively low cost item so the company's done quite well but the return on equity is not particularly exciting it's been averaging a. under 10 percent a year over the last three years which means it doesn't pass our filters Uh, earnings growth has been looking quite good but you can't carry on having high earnings growth if you've got low return on equity it's on a pe of about uh, 28 which makes it near the top of its range so a little bit expensive at the moment so again i think quite a, a good business um, I wouldn't be uh, enthusiastic about uh, buying a right now from a team invest perspective. Okay. <laughs> All
1: right. Um, so thank you for that suggestion, Tony. Good analysis there of Reliance. Great Australian success story, but could be doing it tough over the next year or two. Uh, Howard, speaking of great Australian success stories, Jack wants a view on Breville Group. Uh, Breville, the big uh, developer of kitchen appliances and now sells around the world. This is another great Aussie business that has taken the world by storm.
2: Absolutely. And uh, again, why? Um, You know, our wages are high. So if you've got uh, somebody making coffee in a, a, a shop, you want to be able to make as many cups of coffee in an hour as you possibly can because you've got to pay them high wages. Now, COVID, of course, has been hugely wonderful for Breville because suddenly everybody who is buying their two three cups of coffee downstairs from the office building in the day um, now is at home in the day working from home so they want a good quality coffee machine at home in order to make themselves some decent coffee in the day so their sales have absolutely um, done extremely well very well run business they're moving into more and more countries all the time um got a different brand name in europe they call it sage there rather than breville because the name breville was used by somebody else already um but uh, overall terrific business the one uh, high return on equity uh, pretty much no debt and earnings per share growing nicely the only negative in it is it's on a pretty expensive pe at the moment now in march and april uh, i own breville i should say by the way and in March and April, I added to my Breville holdings at about $10.60, I think it was, or $11, somewhere around about there. Now, uh, at that stage, it of course, was an absolute bargain. But at the share price now of, of around about $30, um, it, you have to say to yourself, great business, but not to buy any more right now. But I'm sure we'll get another opportunity at some stage where the PE will come down. There'll be some negative news. And um, we'll get an opportunity to buy it again, but uh, uh, too expensive right now. But a fantastic business.
1: Yeah, and uh, just a good, a good uh, shareholder list. Solomon Lou has a big interest mm. in it. Does it, from Premier Investments? Absolutely. And, and not just the coffee machines. I've got a uh, a daughter in lockdown in London, and uh, she's cooking up a storm like all her <laughs> friends, because they just have to cook themselves. And uh, she brought uh, bought a Sage sort of um, uh, food processor, she was telling me, I said, you know, that's Breville, no, (laughs) an Australian company, so um, uh, COVID has been great for it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think you're right that people actually, COVID has changed a lot of things structurally, uh, yeah. which we'll find out in many years to come. People have been trained to cook at home and do certain things at home. And I think some of those habits are not going to change. Right. So for Breville, yes, they benefit from it. But this is one company was growing at double digit even before COVID. Um, and it will continue to do double digits simply because um, their products are so popular in so many new markets. They've gone into. And a company continue to invest in R&D. Not many of those, um, you know, businesses actually continue to invest and they manage always to get, um, you know, return out of those uh, investments within 12 months. So to me, this is a business, um, it's a very high quality growth business and there's still a lot of runway left for this business. It's a buy from me. um, And I think, this is one of the retailers or, you know, business that hasn't actually had an upgrade yet. So I think right. they're going to have an amazing result that's coming up okay. in a couple of weeks. Right. Um, and they have already guided to 15% growth. And I think it's very, um, there's every probability they will beat that. And I think what they are investing at the moment, because they're generating so much return and so much cash at the moment, they're investing for the next few years and they will mm. pay off. So growth, it could be hitting an inflection point in the next couple
1: okay. of years. So even at these prices, yes, you'd be happy with it around I Absolutely. Okay. All right, Um, there you go, Jack. Some, uh, oh, a a great business indeed and uh, some really good prospects. Now, Jumbe, Fran wants a view on Hum Group. Now, if you haven't heard of Hum, it's not um, uh, an online dating app or anything. Um, It's the old Flexi Group, uh, the financial services organization that's in everything from consumer finance products through to Uh, Buy now, pay later. In fact, Flexi Group reckon they were the first buy now, pay pay later company, but got no recognition for it. So (laughs) Jumbe, you've been a big fan of the BMP um, area. Is you a fan of Flexi Group or HUM as it's called now?
0: Uh, yeah look uh, for me it's probably more of a neutral um, a hold uh, wow. uh, rather than a buy look it is very very cheap compared to the other buy now pay yeah. later but I do have a preference for pure play because um, you know harm has been around for a long time essentially they still couldn't get away from being a consumer lending business really mm. um, and I think you know the latest data they just released about the the harm the the new buy now pay later product is is going very well um, but it's off a very low base and the company itself is still a big exposure to that old traditional um, personal lending so yeah. for me you much rather to buy the market leader um, that is expanding globally um, yeah. rather than um, you know if you want to exposure to that high growth space rather than somewhere in between um, but I think you know it's give them some runway um, give them a few years to see how well they can do to really transition from that um, traditional business into that new area um, you know it may well in a, a few years time that they can make that transition very successfully and by then I think they're
1: yeah. probably worth more attention it sort of seems to me they've been left by the market because mm. it's an old-fashioned financial services business that's mm. trying to dress us up dress itself up as this sexy buy now pay later mm. but the market is looking underneath going well you know you haven't shown us you mm. can ride with the big boys in buy now pay later and mm. And you're still a bit unsexy
0: yeah that's right so essentially that's what it is market is very market is a little bit almost um, uh, they they not really care about how much multiple they pay for the market leader it seems that to be the case yeah. um, either you have you can demonstrate high growth um, but, uh, and then you know market will just pay whatever price for it um, or you're you know like a very very deep value deep asset play so you know nothing in between the market is interested in right. It certainly provides opportunity but it just it needs more track record and demonstrate administration
2: of ability to deliver. Howard, what do you think of HUM, the old Flexi Group? Until until about 2015, it had uh, all reasonably good metrics, but it's gone through a a few different CEOs in the last number of years. And while it's true that they were the original, or one of the original buy-now-pay-later companies, um, uh, they, they really haven't taken the world by storm, as we've been talking about. Um, the one thing, of course, that is real about them, though, is they actually do make profits, which in the buy now, pay later space is a rare, uh, almost <laughs> impossible thing to find. And, you know, it's all very well for us to say that they're not the market leader in terms of growth. But as I pointed out on the show before, if I stood in George Street in Sydney and offered Ferraris brand new out the box from the factory in Medina at $10,000 a pop, um, and people would be very skeptical originally but then a couple of people would buy them and drive off in a brand new Ferrari for $10,000 pretty soon the word would get out and I'd sell lots of them I wouldn't have a profitable business in fact I'd be losing money all the time and I'd have to keep raising more money from my shareholders but in today's market which reminds me enormously of 1997 to 2000 anything that sells more even if it's totally unprofitable and has an unprofitable business model and probably will never make any money. If it just sells more, everybody says, I've got to buy that. What a wonderful business, which of course is totally absurd. So at least this one is, and, and in the end, will uh, you know, the absurdities, uh, turn into horrible losses for people. This one at least does make a profit, but no, I'm not enthusiastic and team invest members, uh, wouldn't be enthusiastic about it. Its share price is about half of what it was ten years ago, and that's not the kind of company you want to be uh, in. And why is that the case? Probably they've gone through a series of CEOs, none of whom have really known quite what to do with this business. Perhaps they'll make a success of the BNPY, uh, BL, um, but uh, I wouldn't touch any of the other companies in in that space that are making no money they're only making increased sales yeah. um, and nor would any of our members.
1: Yep. Uh, and also it's worth noting, they do have a new chief executive only the last four or five months as well. That's right. It? So, um, uh, all right. So uh, an avoid on uh, hum, a hold from uh, from Jumbe if you've got it though. Um, Howard, uh, James wants a view on Unibail Redenco, which is the, Basically, the REIT, isn't it, the um, uh, listed real estate fund for all of uh, the Westfield shopping centres not based in Australia, the ones in, uh, in Europe and Paris and the United States.
2: Yes, and the Lowys were very smart getting out when they got out. And I think we spoke about it on, on air at the time. Um, you know, um, these property REITs tend to be relatively steady but not exciting performers because their ROE is quite low. Um, but what we've seen happening and uh, with the world changing because of COVID is a lot of these shopping centres that were in absolutely perfect positions in the middle of cities where all the workers came to work and hence went and shopped are perhaps not in the best place anymore either. Um, secondly, of course, there's a huge shift in buying online as we've seen from so many companies, retailers that have good online presence, reporting massive increase in sales and profits. So not a company that we'd be enthusiastic about. The same as shopping centers killed strip malls and shopping centers killed the Meyer David Jones type department store where you didn't have to get rained on, you could be under one roof and buy anything you liked. So then the one roof became the shopping center now the one roof that you can be under and buy anything you like is uh, your own roof at home or in your office uh, and your computer or or mobile phone in front of you and buying it online so uh, i I think the the need for for these type of shopping centers is very slowly and gradually going to go away as we've already seen in the us where a lot of them are being converted into um warehousing Uh, And that will come in other parts of the world as well. So not not a business that we'd be excited about from the long term at all.
1: Okay. Uh, Jimbo.
0: Um, uh, I would take profit, uh, yeah. it's a sell for me at this point. Um, I uh, I agree, there's a lot of structural issues for shopping centres that, um, you know, less usage of them. But now, uh, be very mindful, Australian market is very different from the offshore market. In Europe, there has been huge amount of supply of new shopping centres. Right. Um, so, And then the online access has been incredibly great over the last uh, 10 years. So in, Euro- in Europe, the US, um, the shopping centers' valuation has been falling because the competition is eroding all of those rental possibility oh. and the like. Um, and, uh, that, and But that's very different from Australia. Yes, we have online competition, we have big online, we have Amazon and the like, but shopping malls are very central. Um, and we Australians, we do have a habit of going to the shopping centre and do everything. Now COVID has changed some of it, but they will return once people return to uh, um, to normal uh, working environments, um, and in fact, we're already seeing vicinity centre or Westfield here in Australia. The foot traffic has already returned to pre-COVID levels. Right. So okay. Australia I said very different from offshore. So Unibail gave you complete exposure to that whole offshore space. Yep. Things been very tough, and this company is geared to anything. So equity holder essentially have not much um, really uh, a hold in this company. It's just full of debt. Very difficult to make return with that kind of environment right. structural and short-term issues as well, just given this more flare up in terms of COVID. So things are very tough over there. Share price has rallied. Partly because this reopening trade, and partly because of this uh, hedge fund thing that we talked to, um, it's heavily shorted, right. um, and uh, so there's been a bit of a short-term, a short-term, you know, artificial push up in share price. I yeah. will be taking this opportunity okay. to sell it and put into. If you want to buy a shopping centre, Australian shopping centre, Westfields, so here in Australia, worth far more than what it is the okay. share price now.
1: Um, Gotham, uh, uh, look at that five-year chart though, from when the lowers got out, uh, middle of twenty eighteen. <laughs> Do you have a rule of thumb that says when our founders have made a lot of money and they cash in and, and list a product, do you go, well, they must be getting out for a reason? That's so right. it, like it's gone down ever since. Has yeah,
0: it? uh, it's, uh, we've seen it again and again with different businesses. Um, the minute the founder or successful uh, business person getting out of uh, the business they ran for so many years, yeah. um, it's often showing it's the top. Potentially, there could be just a little bit more, but it lacks that yeah. the next level of enormous yeah. growth. So for me, it is absolutely, you will be following <laughs> the smart money. <laughs> yep,
1: exactly right. All right, uh, thank you for that, James. Uh, Callum wants a view, Jumbay on the Vanguard uh, small Companies Index, at um, uh, an ETF?
0: Look, um, uh, I always find this question quite interesting because I'm an active manager. Right. You know, I will be sitting here telling you not to buy ETF. Um, yeah. Simply because, um, look, ETF is an easy way. It is an easy way for retail investor to gain exposure to one part of the market. You know whether it's the entire market or small cap market. Right. Um, so the, in this case, is a small cap. Now, um, there's a lot of different stocks that sit in that market. Uh, in the case of small cap, there's quite a lot of uh, low quality businesses that sit in there that would determine the move of that market. Right. So uh, while it gives you exposure to that space, um, you know if you actually invest um, yourself in that index you can in those physical stocks that you've done research on you can do so much better than be the index itself absolutely yeah. so yeah. Um, so my view is that just find those small cap companies you love and yeah. uh, you will make so much more money than invest in the actual etf itself yeah. um, but look at you know yeah. i think the view for the longer term see it returns 3. Um, four eight four um, percent on that basis, but you know a small cap stock I can many of the successful ones I can point to they doubled or tripled. Yeah. So there's a lot more return opportunity by going active.
1: And, and I think that's underperformed the index in the last twelve months, hasn't it? Mm. Um, because I think the small cap index itself was up something like seven eight percent, even taking into account the the March crash. So. Of course, you've got to pay fees on these, which affect your performance Yeah, fees is well. pretty
0: high, um, yeah. usually with the ETFs. Um, so there is only marginal underperformance relative to the small yeah. odds. Um, I think going forward, if we look at the outlook uh, over the next 12 months for small, uh, small cap stocks, it's pretty good. Right. I think they will beat the, out, uh, beat the overall large cap index. Um, but it's just that if you buy individual stocks, any stock yeah. we talk here is going to do better than the index itself. Sure. So
1: um howard what do you think of the vanguard small companies index fund
2: yeah i mean vanguard's fees tend to be lower than most so they're not not as bad as some but the the particular times when index funds can be okay for investors who really don't know enough about businesses to pick which are the good businesses but this is not one of those times Um, once a generation or so and the previous time was 1997 to 2000 When total junk can raise money, be listed on a stock exchange and have a share price rocket, if it's in an index, the index fund manager has to buy more of them, even though the index manager may be looking at it and saying, this is total junk, but I have to buy it because I'm I'm tracking an index. So, you know, at times when when junk is selling for massive amounts of money, uh, an index fund, which has also got the junk in its portfolio, has that problem. So, you know, we're never uh, in favor of index funds to start with because uh, we're educating investors to become better investors so that they can pick good businesses to invest in. But there are times when they're quite good for people who're starting out and don't know much. But I'd say this is one of the worst times to be investing in an index fund as it was in the late 1990s.
1: Right. Okay, all right. Uh, Callum, that's a good analysis there for you. Let's uh, recap our first five stocks and our stock of the day. Uh, Woodside a no from both Howard and Jumbay. although Jumbay in that energy sector would prefer Santos uh, to Woodside. Uh, Reliance a no from Howard. Jumbe saying take some profits on that. Good company, but has had a great run. Headwinds ahead. Uh, Breville, uh both agree that a terrific Australian business. A buy from Jumbay and uh, Howard saying, yep, he'd be a buy if there was a pullback in price because uh, it's on pretty high multiples at the moment. A no from Howard for Hum. A hold from Jumbay. Uh, Unibar Radenko, a sell um, from Jumbay and a no from Howard and a no on the uh, small companies, the Vanguard Small Companies Index Fund now. Here at the call, we have our own portfolio. We've been tracking since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner at NAD trade. It's sort of like a fantasy portfolio, if you like. Um, Any stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into uh, into the fund. If those stocks come up again, maybe to a different expert panel and don't get the same thumbs up, well, then it goes out. Uh, let's track the, uh, the performance for the last week, it's down 3%, for the month down half a percent, and for the year to date since the 1st of July, up almost 23%. Some of the stocks that have been added recently, uh, Incitec Pivot, uh, 4DS Memory, Orthocell, uh, Whitehawk, Grange Resources, uh, Objective Corporation have all come in. Uh, some of the stocks taken out, Wrigley, uh, St. Barbara, and Qantas. Uh, You can check all the stocks in the Calls Portfolio. Just head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, Joining us on The Pulse uh, after one o'clock, Fidelity International Fund Manager Kate Howard joins us to discuss how investor behavior is changing, particularly when it comes to tech. Uh, You can catch up with Kate right here on Osbiz.com just after 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time after the call. All right, let's get into our uh, final five stocks you'd suggested and Howard, uh, Tania wants uh, a view on CardiX, which is a medical technology business into wearable devices and telehealth, an interesting business at the moment. They've been expanding their products um, uh, over the last couple of months and tend to keep expanding into 2021.
2: Yeah, reading about what they do in their various products. um, I'm enthused that there are companies doing this sort of thing. After all, as we all get older, uh, these sort of things, particularly in cardiovascular health, I'm perfectly fine at the moment. But, you know, (laughs) as we get older, these kind of things may become more and more important. So um, I'm enthused about their noble purpose. But this is not a business. Um, It's never made a profit. It's made massive losses as a share of equity year after year, generally more than half its equity it's lost in every year, sometimes uh, more than 100% of its equity, which means it's raising capital all the time. Um, And uh, on that basis, from an investment perspective, no, wouldn't touch it with a barge pole, but uh, love what they're doing and may they go Mm -hmm. from strength to strength in terms of their development products.
1: Yeah, and Jumbo they completed a share purchase plan recently, raised $3 million. They're going to launch a new smartwatch um, in partnership with Mobvoi um, and um, other consumer health products. But it is a tough area when you've got Apple going in there yeah. and um, all of the smart watches around.
0: Absolutely. Look, it is very competitive. It's very tough. We've seen it again and again. Uh, Many businesses, especially in that medical device or um, biotech space, where um, they got those great ideas and they sound phenomenal, but it's just when they hit commercialization becomes very difficult because um, you know whether there's a need or whether you know you can really outspend some of those large players who decided to cover this niche space. So, um, look, it is way too speculative, and it's well, the idea is very exciting, but there are many companies sit in that kind of bucket where they just yet to hit commercialization or even breaking even points.
1: And some of the companies they're up against are really the behemoths of (laughs) of technology in the world. That's
0: right, Uh, absolutely. And uh, you know, often every now and then we do see one or two companies that come through, and then you eventually work out what's really special about them. But it does take time and new contracts uh, to really understand. You know, how do they really distinguish themselves from the rest? And you know, just simply uh, saying the large guys is not going to worry about this small area. Quite frankly, I think that's not. That's just not going to yeah. be the case it's yeah. had a good
1: run up in price the last mm. uh, month or two though so mm-hmm. if you're in there uh, and you've been been stuck there um maybe it's time to take a couple of profits and mm-hmm. by the look of the chart it's not very liquid either <laughs> no that's not um jimba jim wants a view on ics global the medical billing services company um in the uk primary operating business is in the UK um, and has offices here in Australia as well. But this is like accounting and and business software for medical practices isn't it?
0: Yeah that's right so look uh, and, and, and I look at the, a similar sort of thing and it's a great idea but it is so competitive um, without getting to scale um, it is just going to very hard to determine a future value for that type of business um, you know one thing you know, one example probably not direct comparable is zero. you know when they first started probably yeah. people were saying the same thing but they have demonstrated again and again by dominating the new markets they're going to and this is important to get, keep that momentum going if this business yeah. can keep doing that then uh, it will be a very different story but right now it's just way way too early and you know to really see that big scale they'll they'll you know get to um, it's just yeah. a very competitive space
1: okay Howard ICS Global
2: yeah. yeah I'd never looked at this business before so thank you to the viewer who sent it in because looking at it usually when I've never looked at the business before and I look at it I immediately say I'm glad I never wasted my time before but this is not the case it's got high return on equity and uh, you know its return on equity has been steadily improving for the last four years now about almost 20 percent which is pretty exciting its earnings are growing not all that fast but they're growing at about four and a half five percent a year um, which is at least a little bit better than inflation um, it's got no debt, and it's on a P that's not all that demanding of about sixteen and a half seventeen so um, I don't know it well enough to say that I would uh, be uh, putting my own money into it right now, but I certainly now having looked at this, uh, I'm quite happy to find out a lot more about it. Yes, as uh, Junbei says, it is a competitive area, but they've clearly shown already in the UK that they can operate uh, and make good return on equity in a competitive business in that country. Whether they'll be able to expand to other countries successfully, who knows, time will tell. But it is a successful real business, um, uh, you know, with uh, pays decent dividends, about 75% of profits every year paid out in dividends and uh, on a PE ratio that by today's standards mm. is, is pretty low when interest rates are that uh, uh, that low. So uh, certainly warrants a lot more of a look and I'd, for today's purposes, give it a tick uh, and spend some more time on it over the next few weeks.
1: Okay. Put it on the watch list. There you go, Jim. You've uh, uh, you've piqued Howard's interest. So thank you for doing that, and uh, we'll keep following ICS Global and see if we can get more information on it. Uh, Zach Howard wants a view on Fortescue Metals, one of the uh, the biggest of our iron ore producers here in Australia. Massive exports into uh, uh, into China, and everyone hears about Andrew Forrest. You've been seeing him on TV going through his most recent investment in R.M. Williams, is using some of those uh, iron ore profits to invest in uh, other Australian businesses. But what do you think of Fortescue?
2: Well, this is another great Australian success story, not because they've done anything overseas necessarily, but you know, considering he started from scratch, then had far too much debt when the GFC came around and yet has built this extraordinarily successful um, iron ore Uh, Mining and uh, export uh, business—it's quite incredible. Now, the problem, of course, uh, I I think he's been—you know—without a doubt, been an extraordinarily good businessman. Um, The problem, of course, is it's selling a commodity, and in the last year or so, they've had wonderful prices for iron ore after the uh, big drop in March, April. Iron ore prices have gone right up through the roof, Arle not being able to supply, China stimulating its economy. But in the end, commodities tend to sell for not much more than the marginal cost of production. And the marginal cost of production is probably somewhere around the under $50 a ton range. And iron ore has been recently selling for $160. That won't continue long term. So Absolutely phenomenal business, extraordinarily well run. They've done a terrific job, um, but the, and they're going to pay out spectacular dividends probably in the next little while when they announce their dividend. But of course, we can't rely on 160 dollars a ton for iron ore to go forward. So, like all commodity businesses, you can't really hold them for the long term. If you're going to own them, you have to trade them, and the time to buy them. Uh, and we wouldn't do that in team invest but the time to buy them if that appeals to your style is at the time when iron ore prices are low not at the time when iron ore prices are high and then you ride the upside
1: yep so you'd be selling Fortescue now
2: if 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 I owned it I'd be selling it but I don't own it simply because uh Uh, I'm a long term holder, and it's too hard to predict where the earnings of an iron ore producer are going to go. But brilliantly run company, hats off to them. Yep. Chumbo?
0: All right. I think it's absolutely true. Um, Iron ore prices is quite high and it looks like it's probably started falling a little bit. Um, And given this year, China has started tightening a bit of credit because, you know, there's just been um, so much money flowing around and the economy is doing quite well. So they're just tightening a little bit. Uh, So we saw that price come off just a tad. Now, um, you know, because I run a portfolio of many companies and I can short businesses and Uh I can long. So um, that way I I do like uh, Fortescue, um, especially with given the pool back and going right. into the result as well as, as a
1: long buyer or are you shorting as a long buy right, because
0: okay. um, the way I see it is there's so much dividend cash flow coming through from right. that business great runs so much coming through um, and uh, and the share price will be supported um, by any pullback you know like what we had recently you will be adding to the position especially heading into the result right. um, you know I'm a buyer of Fortescue but do remember uh, because I'm a you know portfolio of many stocks I can short other companies to offer set the risk of iron ore right so okay. yeah just as an investor a long only investor would you be buying it here do be mindful Our iron ore price is very high but the dividend is enormous
1: that's okay. coming so because I saw a chart the other day I think think Scotty uh, put it on Ausbiz which was a long-term chart of China steel prices mm. and iron ore prices mm. and basically they mirrored each other mm. over the last 10 years mm. now they're completely out of sync. Mm. Iron ore prices still high. China still uh, steel prices way down because they've mm. just been pumping out so much still that no one knows what they're doing with it. Uh, <laughs> but um, which tend to, tends to indicate there could be a correction in iron ore prices if it if history repeats itself
0: look at it could um, but we've been calling the top of iron ore price at $100 I think you know we're calling sure, $80 yeah, we $100 yeah. 120
1: 160 <laughs> which was only a year ago yeah that's yeah, right yeah. it
0: was a year ago so uh, in between there's been a lot of cash flow that's been made uh, from those high prices yeah. what's great about Fortescue is that yes the price is high. let's sell as much as we could and so they've been you know increasing production they're hitting yeah. all the production number above expectation and shipping as much cash as possible and what are they doing with the cash they're giving it back to the uh, to shareholders and they use that cash to spend on some of the more new energy space um, which i think will pay off in many years to come so you know all Mm, of that i think it's a great business
1: all right so you'll stick with the iron ore miners all of them bhp rio as well.
0: Fortescue is the one that pure play for uh, for iron uh, ore but right. uh, I probably have a preference for BHP at this point to give you some oil exposure right. as we talk to the global growth picking up yeah. um, and less pure for iron ore because not, if the okay. price it does fall.
1: All right okay um, Nathan wants a view um, Jumbo on uh, Orica um, basically they uh, blow things up uh, <laughs> ke- ke- chemical business it's in explosives um, hasn't had a great 12 months has a uh, big decline in earnings per share and share price over the last 12 months.
0: Look, it's been really tough because the COVID-related lockdown. There's nothing to really um, explode. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's just nothing happening, and uh, so that has put a lot of pressure for this one. Um, and you know, I would group that uh, IPL in the similar sort of space, not just explosive, but there's um, uh, you know, fertiliser. InstaTech pivot. Yep. InstaTech uh, pivot, absolutely. Yep. So um, you know, the both of them had a had, has had a really tough time. Uh, however, the indication for some of the underlying um, demand dynamic is picking up. So. For for me, these are the value play uh, that you can buy. And yeah. I think both of them and Oracle has gone so, so cheap, same as um, IPL, that they actually represent a fair bit of value um, to come, um, yeah. especially when world returns to normal growth, picking up globally. Um, I think they're pretty good place to be, yeah. but I do have a preference for IPL instead of Oracle. Oh,
1: that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting because we had Julia Lee from Berman Invest on yesterday and also Nathan Somersandaran on and uh, uh, IPL Incitec. Pivot came up. They both liked it. Matham preferred Orica because he said that um, Incitec has had a bit of a boost in share price. Orica has just been left behind, is, is the ugly one. So. Well,
0: Orica has always been the expensive one because it's considered the more quality play. Right. And IPL has had so many problems over the last many years. Yeah. Um, it certainly is a lower quality play. But in the environment, to me, in the environment where uh, underlying dynamic, everything's going right at this point for IPL. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and then they offer because very Because they're low in
1: fertilizers, aren't they? Right. in the agricultural sector- That's of right. And it's a bit booming of a lift. now. Yes.
0: That's right. And then, so they're coming off such low base, and the valuation is so cheap that yeah. it just gives you a lot more upside compared to what Oracle is offering you. Right. So I will be um, long that one. But those companies are not buying whole companies. Right. You've got to trade, trade them. them. Make right. your 20, 30% return and make sure it takes some profit.
1: Okay. Howard, what do you think of
2: Oracle? Yeah, it's not just the last 12 months that it's uh, hadn't done very well. It's in fact hadn't done very well for about 12 years. Uh, it was 28, 30 dollars uh, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, share price now it's 15. So the biggest thing that they tend to blow up is in the coal industry. I mean, coal mining uses more of the explosives than any other industry, and coal mining um, doesn't probably have a particularly good future going forward. I'm not saying that all of a sudden tomorrow there'll be no coal mines but uh, you know coal was the energy source for the 19th century oil was really the 20th century it looks like the 21st century will be neither of those and so there'll probably be less demand for their products the other thing that uh alluded to in a different way before is the other thing they've been quite good at blowing up is shareholder wealth because uh, while we've had inflation of probably about 40% over the last 12 years, their share price has gone backwards by half. So uh, not a company that would enthuse me. Um, we talked about it some 12, 13 years ago at one stage when it did pass our filters in Team Invest. We decided we didn't like it then. And I think all of our members are very pleased that we all agreed we didn't like it at the time because those who owned it landed up selling them out of their portfolios and those who didn't own it didn't buy it. And we're very pleased that we put our money somewhere else. So it's a definite no from me um, okay. on Orica.
1: Okay, all right. And our final stock, um, Lily wants a view on AMA Group. Howard, they uh, they're in the automotive aftercare business. Uh, they basically uh, service centres uh, around the country, panel beating shops, um, uh, sell uh, accessories. Um, but they've had a few issues with, um, with management of late as well, with um, issue with a, a chief executive leaving. So uh, a bit of unsettledness
2: there. Yeah, and that's never a good time to buy into a company because until you know for certain that the current management that is running it is going to be really good at running the company, it's risky to invest in it. I mean, they do a lot of smash repairs as well, But as we move the interesting thing is as we move more towards electric vehicles and self-drive vehicles electric vehicles need considerably less repairs and servicing than um, internal combustion engine vehicles so that's going to mean the whole space gradually over a long period of time is going to have less and less work for motor mechanics fixing cars the second thing is self-drive cars although we haven't got to that point yet but just the fact that drivers have far more assistance in their vehicles than they used to have has meant the cost of insurance has been coming down for car insurance now the insurance companies aren't being generous they're bringing down the cost of the premiums for the simple reason that cars crash less often than they used to Mm -hmm. and um, can be repaired more easily than they used to so that's not particularly good they're facing a number of headwinds So that combined with the fact that the ROE isn't particularly exciting, um, the earnings haven't been growing, um, they've got a fair bit of debt and there's been change of management, uh, definitely a no from me. And um, I I, I can't imagine uh, with the way the headwinds are that this will be a company we'd be excited about at any time in the future either. Uh,
1: Jimbo.
0: Uh, look, I uh, normally I would avoid business like that, but just um, you know, over the last many years of investment, I have learned that often when management change take place, is actually your opportunity um, yeah. to really buy at a very cheap price because there's yeah. so much uncertainty that the market just do not want to, uh, market just not patient enough to uh, to really work out the real value yeah. of the business. So um, yeah, look, this is, this is quite a
1: messy change. This is a very is messy a, and, change, and, 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 going and, to and the exactly, and it's going to take time. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a
0: very yeah. long time. Um, yeah. I, you know, I. Think point I'm not in there I'm not a buyer at all but uh, look it's just something that you really want Mm. to watch there might be real value in this business look it is smash repair it is um, uh, you know lower low return sort of business but it is very stable business and they have big contracts with likes of Suncorp and insurance businesses and they just renewed all the contracts uh, with good margin so you know so and then they have been rolling up those little smash repair to build scale so you know yes you don't make that much return out of one But buying lots of uh, smash repair and with the same negotiated um, return, guaranteed return from insurance Mm. company, you know, your earnings very defensive, very, very defensive. Now, the balance sheet is now under control because they sold another business recently. Um, And uh, so, you know, and it's very, very cheap at this point compared to every other business that's um, that's, you know, listed at this point. So um, uh, listed in that space at this point. Um, So underlying business momentum is actually pretty good. Um, So put that aside. Yeah. Uncertainty watch is it. there, watch it, see yeah. how far it falls, because when bad news comes out, it will fall. Right. And that's when you want to take a position.
1: Okay, mm. wait for the court case to clear through and work out some stability. Yeah, that's right. New yeah. chief executive, and then clear the deck. Birthday. That's okay. right. All right. Uh, let's just recap our final five stocks. Cardiacs, uh, a no from both Jumbei and uh, Howard. Um, Howard's got ICS Global on his watch list, going to be doing more work in that business. Uh, Jumbe a no, um, Howard would be selling his Fortescue, if you're in Fortescue, sell it at these prices. Jumbei is looking at buying it because there's some good results coming out, even at these levels, she's been a big supporter on the way up and still is. Uh, Orica a yes from Jumbei, uh, a no from Howard, and a no from both from AMA, but Jumbei saying good underlying business, bit messy at the moment, with. Um, um, uh, a change in management that's headed to the courts, but uh, a good underlying business going forward. So keep a watch on that. Jumbe Lu from Tribeca, good to see you. Thank good you for coming you. in
0: on a Friday. Thank you very much. Uh,
1: have a comment. Always a delight to see you too from Team Invest. Have a great weekend. Yes, yeah, good fun. All right, that's our show for today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover here, on uh, the call we do it every day between midday and 1 p.m eastern daylight time just put them in an email to us the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle a reminder if you want to take a look at all the stocks in our in the calls portfolio our fantasy portfolio if you like head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and for twitter and facebook viewers please switch to our website or our app now a lot more happening on Ausbiz, so stay tuned and we'll be back after a short break.